welcome to Harvest Birth Stories, where we support mamas pre, post, and during birth. My name is Sophie Grace, and I will be your host for this podcast. We want to share empowering birth stories across the United States and beyond, and encourage mothers all around the world to feel proud and empowered by any story that they may have experienced. Let's get into the podcast. Thank you for listening. actually going to start. Let's do it. Okay. Yep. All right. So today, whatever day it is, episode 12, we're going to have Shannon on here. And she's going to talk a little bit about herself. And you can kind of talk about your um, profession too, if you want to. Mm -hmm. So kind of Introduce yourself and your family and what you do. Don't get too nervous. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I'm Shannon. I am married to my husband, Dylan. We live in central North Dakota and we have a daughter, Ren. She is 19 months old and we have a dog named Indy who is making me scratch her butt right now. (laughs) Um. And what do I do for work? I work at the public health department. Um, I'm not a nurse. I get asked that all the time. Um, I work in kind of our administration, but I do a lot of work with our grants and community educating. And my biggest passion is um, child safety. And then I've recently, since having our daughter, gotten a lot into lactation and breastfeeding and advocating for um, people and moms. mostly in the workplace so that they know their rights and that they have somebody to advocate for them um, so that it's easy for them to pump and feed their babies while they're back in the workplace. Because in America, we work hard and (laughs) we don't stay home and take care of our babies. We work hard. We'd rather be at work, apparently. (laughs) We're hardly working, but we're working all the time. Exactly. Um, So I'm basically going to be asking these questions like I don't know them already and I have no script no script I wanted to have notes but I don't have notes no we don't need (laughs) notes you'll be fine um talk about a little bit how you guys decided to when or when or how you decided to have children and how that went for you guys yeah so we got married in August 2020 Um, and we knew we'd been together for 10 years when we'd gotten married. And so it was kind of a long time coming. And so children were, was just another thing that we had talked about for a while. So we knew after we got married that it was kind of fair game for, for it to happen. And so pretty much the first month after we got married, (laughs) we got (laughs) pregnant. (laughs) And so, so much for the bliss of marriage and the honeymoon phase, it was kind of out the window because I was pretty nauseous <laughs> in the first and some into the second trimester. And so, yeah, we were kind of just open. Um, I kind of probably got a little bit too obsessed with tracking my temperature and all of that. It was un- it ended up being unnecessary. But um, I also find, like, the women woman's body, like, incredibly interesting. And so I like doing research projects on myself like <laughs> fertility and when I'm ovulating apparently so no I like that too yeah I'm the same well, way I think that's why we get along yeah because we're just weird like I have ovulation strips and people are like are you trying I'm like no I just want to know I'm just curious I just really want to know and I want everything in my app to be right yeah and whatever like I don't know it's just interesting um so Besides being nauseous right away, how did the rest of your pregnancy go? Um, so it went really well. I'd say it was pretty textbook in the beginning. Um, nausea. Um, I probably milked it a little bit hard. <laughs> <laughs> Everything was, oh, I don't feel good. I don't feel good. <laughs> Ate a lot of mac and cheese. Um, <laughs> but then at my 20-week anatomy scan, it was like, 
completely normal. There are a few things that came up that were not really noteworthy, but um, looking back now, um, that was the first time I was told my baby was breech. And at that time, everybody's saying, oh, that doesn't matter. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. and it doesn't, it really doesn't matter. But now looking back, it's just triggering to hear. But anyway, so yeah, she was breech at 20 weeks. Mm -hmm. um, I ended up having a few things they wanted to see again. So I had a couple more ultrasounds after the fact. And at every ultrasound following that, she was continued to be breech <laughs> for a long time. Um, <laughs> so to kind of like wind or rewind back a little bit, how did you go about like picking your care team? Oh, we're going that far back. Sure. Yeah. Why not? Um, so <laughs> in the community that um, I live in, we don't have obstetricians. Um, everybody that, well, there are some now. This is two years later. Um, but everybody that had babies here um, had a general family. Family, yeah, family doc practice provider. Mm -hmm. um, and so we see them at Sanford, and then we go up to the hospital and they deliver the babies up there. And so um i kind of since i worked at work at the health department i asked a lot of my friends who are nurses who have worked in the clinics and asked around and kind of just decided on the one that i did and i'm glad i did because um i'm an anxious human and she's very like science science based <laughs> your she's, legs already shaking yeah i know like she's like straight to the point straight by the books and she just like shoots the shit and she's just cool mm -hmm. like she's like he, she grounds me um which I come, came to learn throughout my, my first pregnancy. And so, um, yeah, I loved it. And what's nice about our community and our providers is that you see that same provider your entire pregnancy, and then they're the ones that come um, to your delivery. And mm -hmm. so that's really cool. I always find it really weird how they do it here, though, with the hospital yeah. and the, the doctors, because the doctors aren't at the hospital. No. It's weird, but oh. maybe it's more common in other places. Yeah, and I don't know if it's like a small town thing or what, but yeah, they they care about their moms, and mm -hmm. yeah, they show up. And I mean, mm -hmm. I have some friends that had really fast deliveries, and like they their provider got the call, and they hopped in the car and were there in ten minutes. And so, if you're like at a OB appointment and like a birth happens, do they have to leave? Yes. Well, I've actually had a couple appointments rescheduled because she had to be up at the hospital. Which I feel like is good. I feel like, yeah. well, at least like where I go, they don't do that. Like you just get whatever rotating mm -hmm. one is on. But And like occasionally when you're like in the office, she'll be like, yeah, I've got a couple, couple moms in labor. Like mm -hmm. she'll just kind of like mention it. Mm -hmm. And then she sometimes like she wears her regular nice clothes, but some days she's wearing like scrubs. And I was like, oh, are you delivering babies today? And she's like, yeah. Like, so is she like, like, will she go like if theoretically you went into labor right now, would she go to the hospital? Yeah. Like anytime. Yeah. So she's basically always on call. Yes. All the time. Yeah. Wow. She never has it off. Well, unless she's on vacation. Yeah, and I suppose there's probably not as many births. And I mean, there's here. you have to understand. Yeah, there's times that they might not make it there. But I remember or, when I was pregnant, yeah. when I was pregnant with Ren, I was like, um, "You're not going on vacation in June, are you?" <laughs> like I was like so concerned about her schedule. So my OB, she's like, "I'm not going anywhere." My OB was on vacation the week I gave birth. Oh yeah, and I didn't have her, but I didn't mind the one I had either. But yeah, she was on vacation because I remember her telling me that, and me being like. Oh, those were the two dates that I really wanted to have the baby because <laughs> I had in my head, I was like sixth or eighth uh -huh. numbers people. Yeah. I like even numbers. Yeah. Anyway. So <laughs> get along. Yeah. Weird. <laughs> weird people. Um, so after your 20 week, how did things go or well, actually let's just go to, did you do any like labor prep? Yeah. Before um, things happen. I found over my pregnancy, I became heavily obsessed with all things birth. Mm -hmm. um, I indulged myself in the Birth Hour podcast. I listened to every single episode that was available for that podcast, just wanting to learn and listen and hear all the scenarios and the verbiage, 
that happens and like terms that I didn't know and options and all the things. So I listened to that podcast a lot, read a few books, um, and then just like, yeah, watched too many vlogs probably. <laughs> and then asked every single person I knew what their birth story was and asked them, oh, how, like, who was your provider? Like, how did it go? Like, tell me all about it and tell me every detail because <laughs> I want to know literally everything. <laughs> um, so I indulged into it hard um, and I found myself to be pretty obsessed with it. That was my prep. I thought you did a childbirth course at the hospital. I did. Um, that's I later. only know these things because I know you. <laughs> yes. If you're a random person, now I would have been like, that. okay, well, next... two whole years ago. Yeah. I just remember you making Dylan go. Yes. And yeah. he did not want to go. But I, because see, I knew a lot of the things, but he didn't. And I was like, you need to hear all these things too. And so, yeah, we did a two night, like prenatal labor prep course with the hospital here and then we also did a breastfeeding course which was garbage <laughs> hopefully nobody i know listens to this they have improved it since and i made sure i've made sure of that well but and <laughs> i really liked what courtney said on the last podcast how she was like i don't want to talk badly about like hospital staff or anything like that it's not their fault they're just not taught correctly yeah so and even I was going to bring it up to her when I was talking to her. I was offered like a job at Sanford as a childbirth education course instructor like a week after I got my doula training. Mm -hmm. I don't think I would be qualified for doing that right now. I mean, maybe. Would you take it from me? I don't know. <laughs> I don't, I, I just find that funny. Yeah. So it's kind of the same thing. You know, they'll just, but they need people to do it. So that's why too. But anyway. I digress. Yeah. Um, so through all of that was at the time baby because we didn't know what it was. Yeah. Still breach. Yes. Yeah. From my understanding, I never knew she was ever head down. Like her, I mean, I've never been pregnant before, so I didn't like know how it feels to be pregnant, but like she was just weird. Mm -hmm. Like. Her head was always up in my ribs. She would like shove it way out of my stomach and she always like made it known that her head was there and it would like frustrate me so much. So I'd be sitting at work and she'd like shove her head up my ribs and I'm like, I understand and I know you're still breech. Flip over. Um, Red makes herself known everywhere. Yeah. yeah. And so like as it was starting to get closer to game time, like everyone just kept saying like, oh, it doesn't matter until you're 35 or 36. Like, don't worry about it. But in my head, like I always, like I had a feeling she wasn't going to flip mm -hmm. and I'd never wanted to say it because I just had this weird feeling that she, like she was where she wanted to be and she was just stubborn and she's still stubborn. But um, um, do you think that her positioning has anything to do with your prior um <laughs> lifetime of playing that's, hockey. That's one of my own personal theories. That's my personal theory. <laughs> yeah. So I played hockey my entire life all the way through college um, at a high level. And so it was very strenuous on my body and m using muscles that an average person does not use excessively mm -hmm. and high repetition. Um, so I've always had extremely tight hips um, I had pulled groins often, so I just have a feeling I have pelvic floor. We can talk about <laughs> pelvic floor later, Yeah, but I feel like I've just like got situational issues. Yeah. But, um, I don't know. That's my theory as well. A very, very <laughs> strong theory. <laughs> so leading up to 30 plus weeks, just kind of, I guess, start with went down tell everybody else because I already know <laughs> yeah so uh, I remained hopeful like I kept in my like I was mentally preparing myself to I was preparing my heart for her not ever to flip and ha never having the choice to deliver vaginally um and to needing to have a cesarean um, but then I was also staying like hopeful because like, I was trying to have like positive mind and envisioning her flipping 
Um, and so starting, I'd say probably at 34 ish weeks, I did all of the things like everyone in their head, like listening to this is probably thinking, oh, I'll do spinning babies. Did that. Did a lot of spinning babies. I had a two hour to three hour routine every single night that I did, including inverting myself on my couch and literally doing all of the things. I did it. Putting cold ice cream oh, on yeah. your head. Yeah, I did the ice cream on the top of the belly while sitting in the tub with it warm on the bottom of the belly. My boss was telling me to play the radio by my crotch. I was doing that. Like <laughs> all the wives' tales, all the non-wives' tales, I did it. The only thing I didn't do is I didn't go to the pool and do flips because I didn't want to, I didn't have a swimsuit that fit. <laughs> <laughs> but I went to the chiropractor once a week. Um, I didn't do moxibustion. That's something they also say. It's like a knowing what you know now. I don't know if it would have really no, made no, a difference. No, and so then when it came to the time where I hit term, so thirty-seven weeks, we did go ahead and went up to the hospital and tried the external cephalic version ECV. Um, and so what that is is um, there were two providers, including my provider. Um, and it's basically one on top of my belly, one on bottom, and they try to flip them um, manually from the outside. And at our hospital, they do the spinal tap for that procedure because it can be, some people say it's painful, some just say it's uncomfortable because it's a lot of pressure. Um, in my experience, because I had the spinal tap, it was just a lot of pressure. Um, and I mean, that procedure was interesting. I'm glad I did it. Um, he tried a few ways the one way and a few ways the other way. And at first he thought she was going to be easy because she was like kind of swaying back and forth with his hands. But then like when he tried to get under her, when my provider was out on the bottom, so she was trying to get under her butt and they could just couldn't um, later to find out like she was already wedged in my pelvis with her little booty. But um, still little. Yes, it's still very little. She's <laughs> scrawny, skinny, beautiful little thing. But um so yeah, it unfortunately was un, unsuccessful, um, but I'm glad I tried it. Um, it was an interesting experience. Dylan almost passed out. <laughs> um, I think it was more because like the room was packed. There was anesthesia. There was nurses. There was students because you know, everybody wants to see it. Mm -hmm. It's a small town. Like they do them like once a month ish, once every other month. Maybe that. Yeah. Maybe they do them. So I mean, they have experience and they offer them, but. Everybody wanted to see it. And so I was like, oh, yeah, sure. Like, I guess I'm up for that today. And um, it was just nerve wracking because, I mean, he warned me um, ahead of time that um, the pressure can shock the baby a little bit and the heart rate will drop. And so hers did. Um, so there was like a moment in the procedure where I questioned everything and like told myself I was terrible and was like, why? Why did you do this? Because I mm. envisioned myself getting wheeled down the hallway to go have a... <laughs> emergency c-section but she ended up popping back and was fine and she went right back into place right back into place she was comfy very comfy so but yeah so after that is when they scheduled my cesarean at 39 weeks and so from there i was like more just like preparing myself mentally now that i know knew what was going to happen i was still a little hopeful maybe she'd flip but it was more preparing mm -hmm. myself for what i wanted for my birth and so at that point is when you're going in every week. And so I still had two or three more office visits with my provider. And so at those visits, it was a lot of um, talking about what I wanted for my birth and what I had a choice in. Um, and I think now it's just I wanted autonomy in the situation for as much as I could um, in a situation where you don't really get a lot of choice. Yeah. So mentally how were you handling that and feeling um it it was discouraging because like when you're it's just not what you expect for your first birth because like you expect it to happen and mm -hmm. you're like i i mean people have like emergency c-sections in their first birth but i mean you expect to give birth vaginally mm -hmm. and it's something that i wanted and I think it was discouraging because I didn't even get the chance to try because um, I was forced to schedule a C-section because they don't deliver. If you're, you're completely unaware, they don't deliver babies vaginally when they're breached. Mm -hmm. Some people will do it. But, I mean, it's um, not taught in school anymore, so many people don't have 
experience mm-hmm. with that and i would i wouldn't i mean that's i would never even choose to do that do that Mm-mm. personally um and so yeah it was hard um i'm sh- there was lots of tears <laughs> <laughs> but i mean eventually like it got to the point where i was very excited <laughs> for our birth and i mean what's kind of cool about a scheduled c-section is like there's a plan and you know exactly what's going to happen like the morning of like you know exactly like what's coming and mm-hmm. like it's timed and like when we went into the hospital um like everybody was super excited and happy and smiling and it was just really good um one thing i do want to mention is when i was meeting with my provider in those appointments leading up um we talked a lot about my options um and what i wanted for my C-section and so a few things that I listed on my birth preferences was um, I wanted my arms to be unrestrained like they restrained them in the beginning but I wanted them to be unrestrained for um, after the procedure I wanted immediate skin to skin if possible Um, because oftentimes in a C-section um, they bring them to the warmer and they clean them up and they wrap mm-hmm. them up and then they kind of come and show mom. But I wanted her um, on me right away, skin to skin, because I felt like that was very important. Um, I wanted Dylan to be able to say the gender because we at the time we didn't know what she was. Um, delayed cord clamping and I, our hospital policy is 90 seconds and they do those in cesareans if, if they're able as well. So. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of all the things. It was really nice conversations with my provider to have because I, it felt like I had a little bit of a say. A little than, bit of control. Yeah, just a, I just need control, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, going into the day, like how did you feel that morning? How did the procedure go? Like just take us through the day. Yep, so um, we had to be there at 7.15 in the morning. So I actually, that morning, I still remember, remember it pretty vividly. Um, it started thunderstorming at like 3 a.m., 3.30. And so I was up because our windows <laughs> were open because we don't have air conditioning. But <laughs> that doesn't even matter. Not good air it conditioning. It doesn't matter for this story. <laughs> so our windows were open and it started thunderstorming like hard and like super windy. And we've got a vintage camper and it was on the street. And so like we were concerned about it because it was really windy. And so it was like by that time it was like closer to five. So I made Dylan go out there and hook the camper up to his pickup. <laughs> so it wouldn't blow over. <laughs> so it's like the worst thing that would happen is we'd be at the hospital and our camper is halfway down the street. <laughs> um, but anyways, so we got to the hospital around seven, did the whole registration. Um, and then everything happened pretty quick once we got upstairs to OB. Um, it was a lot of like people coming in and out, anesthesia, physicians, um, talking about what was all going to happen. And one thing I didn't mention back with my ECV is that the spinal actually, I actually got spinal headaches mm, after yeah. that. Um, and I had debilitating headaches for like four or five days where I mm-hmm. physically could not, mm-hmm. um, like you didn't go, go to work. I did go to work one day and I had to lay on the yeah. floor because yeah. with spinal headaches, you need to lay horizontal to get them to stop. Yeah. Um, and so I was extremely scared that getting the spinal for the epidural, that was going to happen again. Um, and so I had anesthesia come a couple times to talk about what my options were. And so they talked amongst each other and then they decided that I was going to get an epidural rather than a spinal block. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it ended up being just fine. Which but. I actually just saw a girl on TikTok of all places last night. <laughs> you were doing your research. Well, I wasn't doing my research, but she I just follow her on TikTok and she's an anesthesiologist. And she's a girl that does her makeup. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the juicy lip. That <laughs> juicy lip. Yeah. <laughs> that one. <laughs> and she made a whole video on the difference between a spinal and an epidural. So that was really cool because it was like please nobody quote me on this i am not an anesthesiologist (laughs) but a spinal goes in between the spaces and an epidural you make space yep so it's not actually in you make the space so that's like the difference yeah i was having like leak yeah because it went all the way in it was leaking anyway continue (laughs) 
so yeah so then that all happened and then eventually I I feel like I walked down there yeah I walked down to the OR and um Dylan didn't come with right away because he they wait till your epidural is placed beforehand Mm -hmm. um it was actually like hard because so you're sitting on a metal table I was sitting cross-legged I was 39 weeks pregnant I was large um cross-legged and you know they've got to you got to like bend your shoulders down mm-hmm. and then got people saying oh bend over relax bend over relax so it took them four attempts mm-hmm. to place the epidural it took almost an hour um so that was probably the worst part yeah and they were like trying to talk me off like oh you have such a strong back like i'm like so if i ever like need an epidural in the future and i'm in labor like <laughs> i hope it doesn't take this long um you probably would be not i don't know i feel like when you're aware and you're not in labor, you're just yeah. sitting there thinking about it. When you're in labor, maybe the pain takes over where you yeah, just don't care. I sure hope so. <laughs> but anyway, so they got it. They laid me down. The tingling and all that started happening. And then Dylan came in. That's when all the people came in. And everything started happening, like, really fast. And I'd say once I was numb, he started. Um I was really afraid I wasn't going to be numb because I kept like being able to feel his pinching. And then all of a sudden he's like, we're like chatting, chatting. He goes, so you don't feel that? And I was like, no. And he's like, okay, we're good to go then. (laughs) (laughs) And so they started and within about 10 minutes, um, she was here. And it was kind of funny looking back now. We've got a couple of videos that some of the nurses took. That's one recommendation I had on my, that I have for people that are having a cesarean um, that I had on my preferences as well as I had one nurse with Dylan's phone taking pictures and one nurse with my phone taking video. What like are you going to do for pictures this time? You. <laughs> we haven't even told them I'm pregnant yeah, yet. It's fine. We'll talk about it later. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> Surprise, Shannon's pregnant yeah. again. Yeah. So we'll talk about that later. But anyways, so we have some videos now that I watch all the time still to this day and you can hear my provider in the background going, oh she's been breaching there a long time like because her head yeah she's been butt down a long time because yeah her head was complete breech head like flat <laughs> um, flat with a breech shelf on the back um her head's still a little bumpy in the back but whatever she's got long <laughs> she's hair got now, good hair now. <laughs> but, um and so yeah they pulled down the curtain and said what is it dad and he said it's a girl and it was really sweet um and then after that they waited the 90 seconds of delayed cord clamping and you can even hear him in the video like saying like okay it's been 90 seconds like mm-hmm. and so they clamped it and they brought her around um and put her on my chest and they were doing some stimulating she did end up needing a little more stimulation so they took over to the warmer quick because she you can saw in the picture she's a little a little purple a little but purple <laughs> she kind of she just needed a little fluffing up a little um, suction yeah because she didn't get the squeeze no yeah she didn't get <laughs> nothing she's <laughs> Had, her legs were up by her head. <laughs> so the pictures yeah, are really cute. But it's funny because, like, in the picture, she literally is a taco. Yes. She's folded in half. Yes, yes. Yeah. So her feet were up by her head. Um, What's What do they call that? Is that – because there's names for different breaches. There's, like, there's like, Frank and, like, full – should I look it up? Yeah. Keep talking. Um, I'll look it up. I feel like she had one that was kind of down because I'd get kicks down here and she'd kind of psych me out, making me think maybe she was. Complete is cross leg. Incomplete is one up, one down. Frank is both up. Yeah. So she had one that was kind of down and one that was way up because I always Mm -hmm. had her little kicks right up here. Mm -hmm. And so. so, A middle breach. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But anyway, so yeah, they put her on me. Um, for the second time, and she basically stayed there um, while they were closing me up, um, and it was really sweet, and she just laid there, and we stared at her. We picked her name right there, because we had two girl names going into it. Um, Who picked her name? I did. I thought I helped with the name. Well, you helped me, <laughs> but I thought you meant, like, in the time, at the time, from the two names that we had. Um <laughs> Like, who picked her middle name? You did. Yeah. You picked her middle name. Because at first I thought it was kind of a tongue twister. But now I love it. Mm-hmm. But, um, <laughs> like, literally they laid her on my chest and I was like, she looks like a wren. And Dylan's like, I thought so too. And it's funny because you had that name, like, 
a day prior. Yes, we talked about it because we went to dinner the night before mm-hmm. and had prime rib, <laughs> <laughs> which I could hardly eat because I was so full. But anyways, um, and I was like, what do you think about Ren? And so we added it to the list and yeah, that ended up being her name and it's like perfect for her. Mm-hmm. Um, but eventually I got to the point of um, where I was sh- shaking quite a mm-hmm. bit, which is common in C-sections. And so I had them take her... Um, because I didn't want to drop her. But luckily, I mean, I had my hands under strain. So you can see in the pictures, I've got my hands on her. Um, Dylan has hands on her. And she was so sweet and cute. And so she ended up leaving. And Dylan went back up to our room with her. Um, and then they rolled me up once I was done. And it was kind of cute when they were rolling me back. Like somebody walked by me and gave me a tie blanket. And they're like, happy birthday. Like and in my head, I thought they meant like my you, birthday. Because, because birth- my birthday was the day before. <laughs> later I was like oh that type of birthday (laughs) (laughs) so after you went back up um did you start establishing breastfeeding oh gosh yeah yeah so we'll we'll start this conversation now yeah um well because I was gonna ask you because I never even knew this that you didn't do it right away no I and I would have been okay but with it but I mean she didn't like go towards it at all no. like I was kind of like you know in my head like I was You're hoping, probably just like I was hoping kind of, she'd oh. kind of like do the little crawl and because mm-hmm. like, I had I have a friend um who's actually my hairdresser and her baby latched um on the table and stuff and she told me about that so I was like ex- anticipating maybe it would happen mm-hmm. but no she just kind of like was sleeping the whole time yeah. she was laying on me just like she was like, damn, I was really comfortable. She's kind of blowing bubbles with her mouth a little bit. <laughs> I wasn't yeah. ready to come out no, yet. No, she definitely was wasn't. <laughs> so when we got up to our room, um, yeah, I'm trying to think. Um, yeah, I tried to establish breastfeeding right away. And so we were doing skin to skin because I know that that's important um, right away once they're born. And um <laughs> looking back now I just get so frustrated but (laughs) so um the one nurse that was on that day was watching me trying to get her to latch and you know at that uh, first first time you know nothing Mm -hmm. and like I thought like for me being a person that was obsessed with breastfeeding before and like I watched all the videos I'd even back in schooling I went to a breastfeeding thing on how to hand express like for three (laughs) it was like a three-day training and I was like 19 but I thought it was the coolest thing ever so I mean I've always kind of had an interest in it but never knew how it worked. And so this nurse is watching me and she literally almost goes directly to like, oh, you have really flat nipples and whips out a nipple shield. Mm-hmm. The damn nipple shield. <laughs> oh, that thing's the death of me. But so, yeah, we And tried. you didn't know. I didn't know. No, no. I didn't know. I mean, nipple shields. And I shields... wouldn't say you have flat nipples. I've seen your nipples. <laughs> They're absolutely not. <laughs> no, I'm like, I've definitely seen them. No. Um stretched out to the max yeah they're not flat Bren would stretch those babies but um, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah they were not I would say they were like untouched like they hadn't been sucked on by an infant before so they needed to be anybody (laughs) 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 this is turning into a different type of podcast (laughs) my mom might listen to this (laughs) but um so Call she might daddy. listen to this one day. Sorry, Ren. <laughs> but it's fine, Ren. You have cool parents. Yeah, you do. A cool mom and but least. um <laughs> so like they had never been like shaped before. Right. That's all they really needed. But anyway, so she pushed the nipple shield. I used it because obviously I'm desperate and I want her to latch. And so she latched on that thing right away, loved that thing, like her life depended on it. Um and yeah, I would say our breastfeeding journey was established um right there and I was very determined to go exclusive breastfeeding that's what I had in my head for Mm -hmm. six weeks I wanted to do no bottles nothing for six weeks I don't know if I have really told anybody that but yeah well you're kind of inside my head too (laughs) but (laughs) but I wanted to go six weeks and so um I kind of started there and um so, I mean, there was times right at the beginning she would latch without it. But for the most part, it was with a nipple shield. Yeah, I remember coming for pictures and you being like, I just got to put her on with the nipple shield and then I'm going to take it off. Yeah, really slip it off. <laughs> yeah. Like, right. But she'd always start with it on and then I'd slip it off sometimes and she wouldn't notice. Um, so, recovery-wise, besides breastfeeding, yeah. we'll get into that. How yeah. did that go for you? Um, so, I had talked to a few friends prior 
about C-sections and quick recovery and um, what was best to do after cesarean. And so one thing was, is I knew I wanted to walk as soon as possible. And I told the nurses that even before I was, I was like, I just want you guys to know I want to walk like when I'm able, I want to walk. Um, Cause I'd heard that that's like the best way to kind of jumpstart your recovery. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I started um, later that day with walking simply from my bed to the bathroom, even mm-hmm. though I had a catheter and still like, I didn't go to the bathroom, but, and then walked back and like, that was my walk of the day. Um, but um, I feel like I, those days are all a blur, but yeah, yeah those <laughs> first few days, like we were in the hospital for two days and then we went home. Um, it was pretty manageable. I would say, um, I kept on, I was very strict on my pain med routine. I never did, um, the narcotics that were prescribed, but I did stay heavily on my routine of ibuprofen, Tylenol rotation. Mm -hmm. And I didn't miss a beat with that for weeks. Mm -hmm. Um, I also threw colace in there. That's one thing I say too. <laughs> Throw some colace in there. Um, <laughs> I still remember I had my first bowel movement in the I hospital. I was so proud. And you were clenching a, t- a pillow, weren't you? Yep. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's another C-section tip is when you go to the bathroom to hug a pillow because mm-hmm. that's pressure on your belly. Um, but I had used the like wheelie shower chair as a squatty potty. <laughs> And I took a picture of it too, and I'm prob- I probably sent it to you. Like I, I just I'm pooped. Pretty sure I have like it. I just pooped, and I used this chair as a squatty potty. <laughs> it worked though. I would highly recommend postpartum C-section get a squatty potty. I have one in my basement. Like mm-hmm. I'm gonna get it out here pretty soon, probably. But <laughs> um, my brother actually gave it to me for Christmas years ago. So <laughs> it's just I'm just born to be weird. I have a um, I don't have a squatty potty, but I got for my baby shower. I got like a like a kid's step. Oh, yeah. That I use yeah. by our, our, and I don't even necessarily use it for just even number two, but pelvic floor wise, it's just good. that's better for you to sit on a toilet like that, even if you're just peeing. Mm-hmm. So that's why I did it because got some issues. But <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, anyway, keep going. Um, so yeah, recovery in the hospital was decent. I was pretty much up and walking the halls by the time we left. Um, and then when we got home, I felt pretty good. Um, it's, I mean, obviously it's hard to sit, get sit up. And I mean, in general, taking care of an infant isn't ideal when you've had major abdominal surgery, but I mean, I felt like I recovered very well Mm -hmm. and it was like a healthy recovery. Um, I, we walked around the block within my first week Mm -hmm. being home and I felt good about that. The one thing I still look back and I, I bled for six weeks like heavily. Mm. Um, and I don't think I really anticipated that, but I mean. But I think that's common. Yeah. Because you're not and expelling I mean, it during and birth. And I mean, I could, the days where I felt like I did too much, I could tell because mm-hmm. I would bleed quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And so I'd have to like literally be like, okay, I got to chill out. Like I'm done for the day. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, gave myself grace. Um, it went pretty well. Ice packs on my incision mac and cheese not a mac still it's always <laughs> mac and cheese is the savior of the day but so let's talk more about breastfeeding yeah. and postpartum mentally how did you do postpartum yeah. and how did your breastfeeding journey go um it's a nice ice machine we got back there <laughs> <laughs> Um, so breastfeeding, it was good. My supply was great right off the bat. Um, one thing I didn't mention is I actually, since I knew the day I was giving birth, I started hand expressing colostrum, Mm -hmm. um, the couple days leading up for it, um, or leading up to our birth. And so I actually went into the hospital with a couple of, I got those Haka colostrum collectors. Mm -hmm. Um, they were like the hit of the OB for like the nurses thought they were the coolest things ever. Um, but anyways, yeah, I came in with a few of those, um, with colostrum and I was very proud of them. Like I proudly walked up there with like, Mm -hmm. here's my colostrum. Can you put them in the freezer? And they're like, this is amazing. (laughs) Like, um, so yeah, they pumped my tires about that. Um, and so uh, both nights actually, so we, they room in their policy at our hospital is to room in, um, but like 3 a.m. came both nights we were there. And I was like, you can take her for a little bit. <laughs> so then they gave her some of my little colostrums. And 
um, she did great. Um, and I continued to hand express colostrum in the hospital too. That's something I wish I would have done. Yeah. Like I thought it was like the as somebody that was like just freshly lactating for the first time. I thought it was like the coolest thing mm -hmm. ever. Like yeah, I never cool. thought I would like get two drops and I got like a whole like five milliliter vial thing. And mm -hmm. I was like, this is so cool. And you're like, I don't even know what's to come. Yeah. <laughs> anyways. Um, so yeah, we established right away. Um, she was a good a good nurser, even though she was did use a nipple shield. I will I as much as it sounds like there's hate on the nipple shield, it is an excellent resource for success and for those that need it. Um it's just yeah, you don't want to rely on it because babies will prefer it. Mm -hmm. Or just throw it right away. Yeah, it's easy. Yeah. And it's it makes it easier for them. And I mean they're extremely frustrating because mm -hmm. Anyway, that's used an nipple shield before, you need two hands to get the darn thing on. So you got to set your baby down, two hands to get it on. It's on. They're going to knock it off. It's going to end up on the floor. It's going to be full of dog hair. And like, <laughs> like I'm sure there's probably still five underneath our bed. Like, <laughs> so it's just like very frustrating. Uh -huh. But I mean, like, if you're having trouble, it helps. If you're having pain, it helps. So, I mean, it is what it is. Um, and so going into our breastfeeding journey, um, I was getting, by about eight weeks, I was ready for her to be done using a nipple shield. <laughs> so I actually, at the time, like I was having a hard time in our community finding breastfeeding support. Like I couldn't find anything. Mm -hmm. um, there was a couple, like they claimed that there were lactation people at the hospital. Um, I didn't find it very helpful at the time. And so I found somebody who I followed on Instagram and I like DM'd her if she did virtual consults and so yeah i set up with courtney who did the podcast right before this i we did a virtual consult um and i used my tripod that i had from our wedding and i hooked my phone up on this little tripod and um, we sat down for our hour appointment and i had ren and um, she could tell from just based on a few of ren's um features features and I'd sent her some photos beforehand too because I was obsessed with like taking pictures of Ren on my boob. So like yes. would show like, so many. <laughs> yes. Um, it's the only pictures I had of her for a long time. Um, was just like how her mouth shaped looked and how her latch looked. I was constantly taking videos and photos and so I'd sent them to her prior so she could like see that since she wasn't in person with us. Um, and so just based on that, she could kind of tell um, that she probably had some oral restriction issues. Um, she was clicky. She would leak out of the corners of her mouth. Um, she had silent reflux. She was diagnosed mm, with yeah. that at about four weeks. And so she was on medication for that. Um, yeah, she would kind of like, she'd have a feed and then she would fall asleep, but she'd like gag in her sleep mm -hmm. and she wouldn't spit up, but it was just like uncomfortable gagging, which I later found out was silent reflux. And so like all of those things together um, was like the perfect storm for her to have oral restriction. And so after talking with Courtney, I mean, we went the route of going to see an ENT. Um, in this small community, there's not a lot of resources for <laughs> oral restriction, let alone <laughs> lactation consultants. Um, there's nobody that are that is really primarily focused on um, that whole world. And so we brought her to an ENT. The ENT clipped her tongue in her lip and we went home and it was I wouldn't do that that specific person again <laughs> or that specific procedure again because it wasn't was it clip or was it laser clip would you rather prefer laser laser 100% yeah. yeah with somebody who's knowledgeable and um very experienced and knows how to teach aftercare mm. this this is now now that you know now that I know I'm. yeah because <laughs> at the time she's just like oh no like you don't need to do much for aftercare and I mean um, but anyways, and so my goal with Courtney was to get run off the shield. And so by about 10 weeks, I finally sat on my couch and we did an entire day of skin to skin. Like mm -hmm. I sat shirtless, Ren was just in a diaper and we sat on my couch all day and I didn't offer her the shield once. <laughs> so if she <laughs> wanted to eat, she had to latch. Mm -hmm. And so after that day, she never used the shield again. Mm. Both stubborn. Yeah, we're both real stubborn. <laughs> um, and and she, I mean, for her whole first year of life, like she got it then, 
but she was like the most distracted nurser. Oh yeah, she I forget had to, all these things. She had to be in a dark room with a sound machine. Like at one point, like come eight months, like she'd only last for five minutes in the mm-hmm. morning. I feel like she was distracted early, very early, like four but months. Four months, she was very distracted. Because I remember you coming to visit me after I had Soren, and you had to pump. Yep, because she, she wouldn't, wouldn't latch. Yeah, and I was just like, wow. Because I didn't experience that until, like, much later on yeah. than you did. And so, yeah, she was very distracted. She refused me a lot. Um, she just preferred the flow of the bottle, to be completely honest. Mm-hmm. And so it was very frustrating for me. And most people would quit. <laughs> Maybe go to exclusive pumping or just quit overall. But I was extremely stubborn. And I wanted it to continue. And I wanted that with her. And so <laughs> we forced it. And then she turned one. And then all of a sudden she loved it. So we had like four months of bliss and then I got pregnant and my supply dropped and (laughs) we had to stop eventually. We stopped at 17. We made it 17 months. My internal goal was 18, Mm -hmm. but 17 months, she gave me about four months of just pure bliss where she nursed on your dock in the middle of the day. Yeah. Just chilling. Just there. Yep. So 17 months. Honestly, though, props to you. Go you. Thanks. (laughs) I'm very proud of it. I'm very proud of it. Yeah. Um, Anything else to note during postpartum? Um, I would just say that postpartum was hard. Um, I am an anxious human. My dog is snoring in the background. She's having a dream. Andy. (laughs) She stopped. (laughs) Um, I referred to you a bit as the dark days a lot. and it's not that they were like sad, but they like the days are long, mm-hmm. um, and everything seemed so big. Mm-hmm. Every cry seemed so big. Everything feels so big when you're in the thick of it, mm-hmm. um, and it's just heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, it got it gets better. It got better. But <laughs> like I mean, we were saying today, well, when they cry, they cry. Yes, <laughs> it's like they're fine. Like, yeah. They're fine. Yeah. <laughs> but you don't, yeah, right away or not even right away. The first year, everything's new. Yep. Everything's brand new and everybody's learning things. Yeah. And it's, I took 12 weeks of maternity leave and it, she was born in June. So I thought this was like going to be the most blissful summer of my life, like going for walks and sitting in the sun. And um, it ended up being like the hottest, driest summer ever. Yeah. There was forest fires all summer. Mm-hmm. So if you didn't go for a walk by like 7.30, the air quality was not appropriate to be outside <laughs> with a new baby, let alone yourself. And so I just was isolated. We live in a town where, I mean, we've got friends, but our family is far away. So there's not a lot of like popping in and out. And mm-hmm. um, so, yeah, it was just isolating um, and hard. Mm-hmm. And you feel alone when you're up in the night and how are you doing now? Doing great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nauseous. So, nauseous with me, I'm fine. Shannon's also pregnant again. 24 weeks. 24 weeks. Um, we'll probably do another podcast with her. Yeah. To be continued on. To be continued. Um, I, I do want to chat a little bit about your pregnancy now and kind of what you found out after Ren, mm-hmm. pelvic floor wise. Yes. And kind of what your plans are for this yeah so you know you have your six-week follow-up appointment (laughs) you go in for that six-week appointment with your doctor after you give birth and so they give you the go-ahead and all that stuff and so i was expecting having had a c-section without laboring that my biggest concern was going to be my c-section scar and Mm -hmm. that area being um sore and just like the that is like a vulnerable area um but i came to find to have severe severe pain in my pelvic floor mm-hmm. um and it was like to the point where like nothing could happen because mm-hmm. it was so painful mm-hmm. and I was like completely caught off guard by that because I never would have thought that that would happen to somebody that had a c-section was it like that before no. you had ran at all no totally no fine. no issues no issues um no pain ever um And so I started, I told my provider about that um, at one of Ren's appointments. And I mean, it was pretty far down the road. Like I kind of 
sadly bared it for a little while mm. thinking that it just kind of needed some time. Um, and so then she referred me to go see a pelvic floor therapist. And so I actually went and saw her weekly mm-hmm. for at least four months. It was a mm-hmm. long time because mm-hmm. girl had issues. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so like what we found, what I found out with Casey, my PT, she's the best. Um, <laughs> she's my girl. <laughs> but, um, was that I just was like overactive and it's actually extremely common in cesareans to have an overactive pelvic and tight pelvic floor afterwards because your pelvic floor holds all of this weight mm. and then it never got the natural stretch mm-hmm. um, that happens in a vaginal delivery. And so it was like anticipating and then it never got like the main event. Mm. And so... <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious yes. so plus you were a hockey player yes plus i to add that on yeah top. and so and i feel like just in general you're just like a tight yes person. i have extreme tmj like your whole body is just tight yeah all the time I like there's no TMJ. i have to sleep with a bite plate a, sp- <laughs> a bite splint um i now have headaches in this pregnancy it's all tension related so i have to get dry needling but mm. <laughs> um I'm also seeing Casey now too. But anyways, and so after months of seeing her weekly, um, it's not pleasant. You guys got real personal. We got real personal. (laughs) (laughs) Internal exams for those listening every single week. Mm -hmm. Um, And so she was kind of helping me retrain my pelvic floor, um, training me how to use it and how to relax it. Um, And yeah, it took some work. Mm -hmm. And got got better is it better yeah had to have gotten better it, yeah you're in this situation <laughs> yeah it did get better and it's it's yeah <laughs> so yeah i'm back seeing her again because i want her to teach me how to relax my pelvic floor so i can have a baby yeah so tell us your plans yes. for baby number two um so hopeful plans yep for my goal for this baby and it's been since before she was ren was even born um I actually want to go back because when I was kind of getting to the point where I was starting to feel like I was going to have a C-section because she was breech, I went into my provider completely defeated because at the time I thought that they didn't allow VBAC, so vaginal birth after cesarean at the hospital that mm-hmm. we went to um, because I had heard that from many people. So it's like, if I have a C-section with this one, I'm going to have to have a C-section with all of them while I still live in this town. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like, it was like defeating right off the bat. And she goes, no, you don't. You can have a vaginal delivery. She's like, I had a VBAC. Mm. And so like the fact that my provider did that herself and was like, she's like, you are you would be a perfect candidate to try for a VBAC later on. Like, don't worry about that. And so um, from before Ren was even born, my goal was to have a VBAC with my second um, pregnancy. And so... Um, I'd kind of, I wanted to follow the rules because after I had Ren, the first thing I asked the doctor that did my, C, my C-section, because it was a different provider because my provider doesn't do surgery, um, I literally was like, I asked him while he was in there to look at my uterus <laughs> and to tell me if something was wrong with it. And he told me I had a beautiful uterus <laughs> and that I should have no problems um, ha- potentially having a V-back in the future. Um, and then, yes, he told me um, all about um, what the best case scenario to, like, get me to have a VBAC. And so this is, like, a day postpartum. Like, mm-hmm. I'm asking him about VBAC. And so he said, ideally, he would like to see me wait 18 months between the birth of Ren and conceiving the next. Um, so that would take us to January 2023. <laughs> so we're a little ahead of the game here. But... <laughs> Um, but it's okay. And so now when I found out I was pregnant with our second baby, um, that was in August, 2022. Yeah. And so, um, I was a little worried that they were going to say, oh, you're not exactly 18 months mm-hmm. po- post postpartum, but no, right off the bat, she's like, no, this is great. She's like, you're healthy, you're active. Um, and then being that my cesarean was because of her position, not necessarily other reasons like emergency. Like it makes me a good candidate. The only thing that would make me a perfect candidate was if I had had a vaginal delivery before Ren, 
because then like your body has done it before but right it's already open (laughs) it's already done that you still have to pave the way yes and so um my goal this pregnancy is to have a vaginal birth after cesarean a vbac um they call it tolac tolac Mm -hmm. um, trial of labor after cesarean Mm -hmm. and so what i've been doing differently this pregnancy is one i'm just a lot more knowledgeable and so my big thing is being body aware um And so I'm doing a lot of sitting upright, trying not to relax back like on the couch all day. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) It's fine to do sometimes. Yes, sometimes. But (laughs) at work, like the moment I found out I was pregnant, I blew out my exercise ball at work and I was sitting on my ball Mm -hmm. so that I wasn't sitting in my office chair. Um, Everybody probably thought I was crazy at the time. Um, To turn off my monitor, it's beeping. And so being body aware, um, doing lots of like opening, um, and then just being conscious of like what I'm doing with my body now. I mean, sure. That's probably not proven that I'm not going to have a breech baby at the end of this, but at least it's trying, it's a start and pelvic floor therapy, pelvic floor therapy now to help me, um, prepare for this event. (laughs) (laughs) And then one other thing is I've really, really deep dived into the VBAC community. And so I've listened to every episode probably of the VBAC link. Um, It's a podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. (laughs) They're great. Um, I've joined their Facebook group. And so, yeah, I've kind of like just deep dive. They also have a course, a VBAC course on all the things. And I didn't take that, but I've learned a lot from the podcast that I think I'm okay. Um, And so uh, just noting what I want. And I think with this birth, it's again going to come down to autonomy and um, what just having a say in what happens. Like I'm very, I'm still very open to honestly another scheduled C-section if I have to have one. Mm -hmm. Um, But just, I would really like to try. Just try. (laughs) I really want to try. Just give me the chance to try. Um, have vaginal delivery and also what's different this birth is um sophie's my doula uh, my first client <laughs> <laughs> like literally the morning i found out i was pregnant it was a huge surprise <laughs> um and you're like i texted her in all caps sophie i knew ex- i knew instantly <laughs> i was like she mm. knew like more than i did i was but, like she's gonna be pregnant and so she? i sent her a picture of friend holding on to a pregnancy test and she replies this is perfect timing. <laughs> I was like, screw you. I'm glad it's well, perfect. Because you found out in... It was good timing. August, September-ish time. Yeah. I think it kind of... I hadn't... I don't think I had signed up no, yet but for doula training. Really... I had been considering it. Yep. And my other friend was telling me to do it. And then when you found out you are pregnant and you were like, you're going to be there regardless, I was like, mm-hmm. well, I might as well just get this information just if I'm gonna be there I might as well be knowledgeable yeah. <laughs> so, so Sophie's gonna be here so this baby better be named after me <laughs> <laughs> as you were looking at my baby name list earlier would you add one grace I'm gonna so add grace grace, grace your, is a pretty middle name for your my, middle name my be- other friend Annie her middle name is grace too well, add it to the list <laughs> Got two best friends with the middle name Grace. And then my other friend Tani, she doesn't have a middle name, so oh, yeah. we always would like pretend making her middle names. That's college. so weird. She's German. Oh, maybe it's a German thing. Yeah, I don't know. Um, so to kind of wrap this up, do you have any um, like info or things you want to share? Um, why can't I think of the word? Resources. Resources. That's um, the word. I shared most of them already um podcasts obsessed with those all the podcasts if they're birth story podcasts i'm gonna listen to them i'm gonna um, listen to them <laughs> and um i like watching birth vlogs my search history on youtube is either miss rachel or VBAC, positive VBAC stories or births birth vlogs and stuff like that so it's either miss rachel or that mm-hmm. um and um few books. Another book I'm reading this time around that I really need to get more into is, um, what is it called? Anime. No, I have that one. It's sitting on my nightstand. I read that one last time too. Anime's Guided Childbirth, but this is it Birth Without Fear? Fearless Birth? 
Uh, my mantra, I'm not a mantra person, but my mantra for this birth is birth without fear. Mm. Because I feel like fear really tightens things. Tightens things. <laughs> <laughs> what about um, and I've already told fla- flappy lips, flappy fanny. I thought yes! that was your mantra. <laughs> <laughs> I heard that on a podcast. <laughs> it was an Australian podcast. <laughs> I've um, heard that before. But yeah, times. having TMJ, I need to relax my face um, yeah. a lot. Any um, other re- resources? Um, we're also doing hypnobirthing. Mm. Um, this time around, Dylan and I are have just started actually watching at night. We'll watch an episode what is it positive birth company is the um package that we bought um and are have been watching and i kind of joked at him i'm like are you excited to be a birth partner and he's like i already was one and i was like but this is a lot different I was like, you're gonna have a lot to do a lot more work <laughs> and i was like but you'll have sophie to tell you what to do i'm gonna make dylan do the physical side of yeah. things <laughs> so it'll be really good um but yeah i don't really think I'm sure there'll be a hundred things after this I'll think of that we didn't talk about, but those are all the things we need. Yep. Yeah. Well, you'll have a second chance to redeem yourself if you forget anything. Yeah. So part two coming at you. Coming summer 2023. Because <laughs> <laughs> I won't make you do it in May. Thank you. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks, Shannon. Thank coming you. on. Thanks, thanks for I'm, coming to see me. I'm still here, so I'm <laughs> not going to say goodbye. <laughs>